0: yeah, yeah.
1: right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where new year, new you, same old LeBron at 38 years old, still dominating the league and casually dropping 40 points on your head on any given night. So happy new year to the king, because without him, we'd all already be fast forwarding to next year's Lakers, Lakers 2024, for any hint of good news. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Happy New Year. Happy 2023 to everyone. I know it was a very tough 2022 for a lot of people, myself included. But we hope that you all had the opportunity to recharge over winter break. And we hope that you're now all feeling reinvigorated for the limitless possibilities 2023 has to offer. So, let's talk about some new Utah resolutions. Yeah? Oh. Because as they say, New Year, New Utah Watanabe. Ayo. Wait, what? Okay, so we know the Lakers are currently riding a mini two-game win streak and are now 16 and 21. LeBron James has been a one-man wrecking crew through both of those games, dropping 47 points and 43 points respectively. And we will get to our updated thoughts on this team as a whole and LeBron's reignited MVP presence amidst AD's absence. But for today's episode, we're gonna be talking about Utah Watanabe and the importance of money ball margin players. And it's actually quite a relevant topic because while LeBron James has been extremely dominant this last month, averaging 32 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. He's also gotten some very crucial production and help in 80s absence from some fringe margin players like Troy Brown Jr., Austin Reeves, and Thomas Bryant, who the Lakers were able to sign on the cheap. And when it comes to moneyballing the margins, you guys all know from listening to this podcast that it is a topic I am very passionate about. And being creative in your free agency signings and maximizing the margins with these minimum flyer type guys become All the more important when, like the Lakers, your entire team construction and philosophy revolves around a three-star build. Because all of your resources are being funneled into just three players, then it's integral that you hit on most, if not all, of your veteran minimum margin signings because on any given year, you likely will have eight to nine veteran minimum guys. The Lakers, I feel like, while they have found some gems like, obviously, Lonnie Walker, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown Jr., They have been middlingly successful in doing so, but they could have been much better. Yeah. So under that guiding premise, for today's standalone Evergreen counter-programming episode, we are going to try and find the next Utah Watanabe. The next great American reality TV show competition. America's (laughs) next top talent baking show, Finding the Next Utah. (laughs) We will also be talking about Finding the Next Stanley Johnson slash Troy Brown Jr. as well. And there's actually an important distinction between the two, which we'll outline a little bit later. So, finding the next Yuta Watanabe and finding the next Stanley Johnson slash Troy Brown Jr. So, Yuta Watanabe... Believe it or not, Utah is still on a non-guaranteed contract with the Brooklyn Nets. He becomes guaranteed on January 10th along with the rest of the non-guaranteed deals in the league, but currently, Utah Watanabe still leads the league in three-point shooting at 52%, hitting 1.6 threes a game in 24 games. Yeah, which is crazy. Simply incredible. When it comes to catch-and-shoot threes, Utah Watanabe ranks second in the league right behind Chris Paul at 56%, where Utah is hitting 1.5 threes a game at that exact same 52% rate. Meaning nearly all of Utah Watanabe's threes this year have come via catch and shoot. Yeah. (laughs) And he's knocking them down at a very consistent and reliable pace. Sounds like the perfect kind of role player to pair around LeBron James. Yeah, I know. And that's to say nothing of Utah's incredible hustle, his great length and height at 6'9", and his overall versatility as a defender and off-ball player. So that is why we are highlighting Utah today. So yeah, we're going to try and find the next Utah Watanabe for the Lakers for the summer of 2023. The last two years, I've been pretty spot on in identifying these dark horse moneyball role players in Isaiah Hardenstein two years ago and then Utah Watanabe this past season that I was shouting on the rooftops for the Lakers to sign because... They were both inevitably had for non-guaranteed training camp deals. So I thought, why don't we try to pinpoint the next Utah or Isaiah Hardenstein this year? And by next Utah Watanabe, I mean, who's the next under-the-radar role-player type who was drafted late or undrafted, who has a pretty good skill set and has actually shown some flashes in his NBA career, but who just hasn't gotten the minutes or opportunity to truly showcase their full skills. And because they were never former lotto picks or first round picks, maybe they haven't had that shine on their resumes that has allowed them to stick on longer on any one team. So who are the next players who could fit that bill? Tommy, before I go through my list of options of some like younger Alex Caruso types, do you have any idea on who the next Utah could be? Any under the radar players in the NBA that could be available in 2023 who you have your eyes set on that you think could pop in a larger role?
2: One guy who, well, maybe two guys who sort of stand out to me in terms of these sort of random low-level floating guys that were late-round picks or however you described it. I I think, like, maybe just because of all the talk about the Pacers, I sort of became interested in O'Shea Brissett. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. when he got minutes last year, he looked pretty good. And he's 6'7", he has good length, he has good strength, which is like a big thing for someone who's 24 years old. And, you know, he can hit a three fairly reliably, and you can tell he sort of hangs his hat on his defense. So I think in the right situation, like, these are the types of players that are sort of interesting for these high upside swings because they get their starts in, like, I don't want to call Indiana a rebuilding situation right now because they're actually playing pretty well. But they get the, sort of their starts in these rebuilding situations. And it's like their value isn't fully appreciated because they're not going to go out there and score 20 points a night. But you put them next to LeBron and AD in those types of situations, and they can do a lot better. O'Shea stands out to me. Other guy who had a big year or pretty big, I thought, scoring year as a rookie for the for the uh, Thunder was Aaron Wiggins, six mm-hmm. five um, guard, pretty quick. I he's shooting again. Like he's not like a, he only plays twenty minutes a game. It only takes two attempts from three a game, but. He's shooting 42% from three as of the time, you know, we're recording this and, and I've just sort of always been a little interested in, in, uh, him. He seems like a pretty exciting player. Um, only 23 years old.
1: Yeah. So Aaron Wiggins, he's six, five with a six foot nine wingspan though. He's shooting, like you mentioned, 42% from three. He has had a 17.7 assist five rebound game this year. Last year, when he got a little bit more run, he had games of 28 points, 25 points, 24 points, 22 points. He's got a really nice three-point stroke, and from what I've gathered from, you know, listening to some other OKC Thunder beat writers and their fans is he's a pretty solid two-way player. He plays defense as well. a uh, Solid playmaker, too. So I really like Aaron Wiggins' sort of all-around package and the fact that he could— he profiles as a pretty good shooter, so I like that as a pick for yeah. who's a guy who just needs more opportunity, you know, and has has shown some flashes and is on a team that... The OKC Thunder are going to get, what, four more draft picks next year? They're going to—someone's going to get pinched out, right? And from this past season, we already saw they had to let go Isaiah Roby, who they liked, just because they had a roster crunch. And Aaron Wiggins could be a casualty of that. And then O'Shea Brissett, we've pretty much said everything we needed to say about O'Shea in the last couple months or so. 6'7", six, 6'8", six, with a 7-foot wingspan. Shot 35% from three, hitting 1.2 a game last year. Shot 42% from three, hitting 1.6 a game in 2020-21. He's athletic and, like you mentioned, sturdily built, really strong. Um, And though it's been streaky, he has shown flashes of three-point shooting, 42%, 35%, like I said. So I really like O'Shea Brissett and Aaron Wiggins. Those are good next Utah candidates. Okay, so I'm going to throw out some other guys and let me know if you're interested in them. Another guy that I've kind of been on, 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 is that that I've kind of been in on more recently has been uh, kJ K.J. Martin of the Houston Rockets. He's athletic as hell, hustle guy, great rebounder, great defender. He's only 21 years old. Um, only downside is he has a six foot seven wingspan. He's six foot seven with a six foot seven wingspan. Usually, you like those guys to have like seven foot plus seven foot one wingspans. But regardless, he has been really solid in his early NBA career uh, currently at the time of this recording. At the time of this recording, he's averaging 11 points, 5.5 rebounds in just 25 minutes, 54% from the field, 34% from three, hitting 1.1 a game. He already has a 21-point and 15-rebound game this year, plus a 21-point and 5-assist game where he hit 4 of 8 from three. So I think he actually has a future as a pretty solid spot-up three-point shooter. I mean, right now, he's a career 35% three-point shooter. So I really like K.J. Martin. Next, I have Terrence Davis from the Sacramento Kings. This guy is more of like a shooter slash bucket getter. I kind of describe him as like a shorter Terrence Ross-ish sort of player. 25 years old, 6'4 with a 6'9 wingspan. He's actually got a sort of bulky body even at 6'4. Um, unrefined on defense, though, he does have the best defensive net rating on the Kings the last two seasons. Not sure that says much, but that's what he has. Um, he does have a knack for stripping the ball. Um, and has he's a bit, a bit of a wild card on defense, but I think there's some he has something to work with there, just because he does have that long six foot nine wingspan. But really, his calling card is shooting. Career 37 percent three point shooter. This year, he's shooting 41 percent from three, hitting 1.4 a game. So there's KJ Martin, Terrence Davis, and then I'll also tack on Javante Green. This one's the oldest of this group. He's 29 years old, but he plays on the Chicago Bulls. He's like your next shorter Dorian Finney-Smith. Good shooter, tenacious defender. He's 6'5", but he has a 6'10 wingspan, so maybe his best-case upside scenario is like a Wes Matthews type. But he is one of the best on-ball defenders in the league, and he's really good at reading passing lanes. So out of the three new names that I listed, does anybody entice you or do you know anything about them? Um, K.J. Martin, Terrence Davis, Javante Green. K.J. Martin...
2: It's pretty interesting to me, actually. I, I don't know if you've watched him play too much or if you've just, like, recently... Uh-huh. I know you said, yeah. He sort of reminds me of, like, the way his dad played, dude. Like, when he gets into yeah. the paint, like, he is, like, aggressive. Um, So I've been pretty into him, and you kind of feel like maybe there is an opportunity there because the Rockets are obviously loaded with long, young wings at this point, so maybe there's a chance that he sort of squeaks out of there. So... I, I'm definitely interested in him. Um, and then Terrence Davis, too. I think like I've sort of seen what you've seen in him um, in terms of his ability to shoot. And you know I like his release. And, and like you said, I, I just don't really know too much about his defense. Uh, and then the other guys, I don't know. I'm sort of indifferent.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, with regards to Kenyon Martin Jr., I know Rockets fans are pretty high on him and maybe he's on the higher end of this list just because I think he's shown more than flashes. He's shown a little bit more consistency anytime he's he's got in minutes. Um, although your point is well taken because the Rockets still haven't seen Jay Sean Tate play this year and he's actually on a multi-year deal with the... or he just recently signed a multi-year deal with the Rockets. So maybe Kenyon Martin Jr. will eventually be relinquished. And then with regards to Terrence Davis, he may also be pinched out because the Kings have a glut at guard with De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell. So, so yeah, I think there's a decent chance that both Kenyon Martin Jr. and Terrence Davis could be unrestricted free agents that won't be retained by their respective teams. Will they go for veteran minimums? I'm not sure. Maybe slightly higher, 3 to 5 million. Kenyon Martin is the one guy who could potentially get a portion of the mid-level or the mid-level based off production and potential alone. But yeah, with that said, let's take it to break here first. When we return, I'll close out this list with a couple more next Utah candidates, and then we'll shift things over to finding the next Stanley Johnson slash Troy Brown Jr., aka lotto picks and first rounders who couldn't live up to the hype, but who can still be reclaimed as productive role players in more limited roles if given the opportunity. So yeah, we'll take it to break first, and then we will catch you guys after the term. All right, so we are back to close out my who is the next Utah Watanabe segment. I've got, I don't know why I did it this way, but I've got the more boring options last, so... um, But in contention for who the next Utah Watanabe could be are two players on the San Antonio Spurs. So one, we've got Isaiah Roby. He's 24 years old, 6'8", with a 7'3 wingspan. Kind of a do-it-all utility man. I called him the slower, more loafing version of Cal Kuzma once. He shot 40 percent from three last year and is shooting 40 percent from three again this year, albeit on small volume. But I kind of like his versatility, and he's sneakily athletic as well. Sometimes you'll see him throw down this like one-handed hammer jam out of nowhere that is unexpected. In some senses, he's also kind of reminds me of like a six-8 version of Troy Brown, Jr.. So there's Isaiah Roby. I think he's only on a one-year deal, so he's going to be a free agent next year and could probably be had for cheap. Again, the Lakers probably should have claimed him. They could have had him for free. And then the other guy on the Spurs is Kata Bates-Diop. Uh, this one has some warts on it and it's probably less enticing, but he is 6'8". He's more of a tweener. Not a great shooter. I think he's only shooting like 28% from three, but he can stretch the floor somewhat. 26 years old. He does have a 7'3 wingspan. And Tommy, I don't know if you remember this, but last year... KBD dropped 30 points on the Lakers on 11 of 11 from the field.
2: <laughs> I do remember <laughs> so, that.
1: So you know Rob Palenka will sign him. So what are your thoughts on Isaiah Rovi and KBD as the next Utah Atanabe?
2: <laughs> Isaiah Rovi I mean... I think that guy has some, that guy has some upside. I, I'm pretty surprised actually that with how big of a need we had for size, like we didn't give that guy a look off waivers. Like Are
1: you surprised with this? I guess maybe, I'm not that su-
2: maybe not that surprised, but seeing him even in the Spurs games, like he looks like a deer in headlights sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just his normal facial expression or if he's still like the game is coming so fast for him. And it, it definitely feels like he's learning a lot on the fly, but I was pretty impressed. Um, and I, and I think he has definitely some upside to be the next Utah.
1: Do you know anything about KBD besides the fact that Rob will sign him off of that one 30 point game on 11 of 11 from the field?
2: <laughs> That's the only thing I know about KBD.
1: Okay, cool. I, I'm not too uh, high on KBD. I'm just putting it out there because he does have good size. Honorable mentions in this list Chemezi Matsu, maybe Luca Garza on the Wolves, and Nas Reed. Okay, so to close the show out, I want to move off of trying to find the next Utah Watanabe slash the next Isaiah Hardenstein. And for this last segment, we're going to pivot more towards trying to find the next Stanley Johnson slash Troy Brown Jr. Stanley Johnson, as you all know, was one of the glowing silver linings of last season for the Lakers. And he was kind of able to really revive his career as a failed lotto pick and turn himself into more of a plug and play utility role player who could really fit on any team. Unfortunately, he became a throw-in casualty in the Patrick-Beverly trade, but I think his small productive stint with the Lakers last year is still a good test case example of the other type of margin player that we will want to look out for this upcoming summer, and that is the former Lotto Pick reclamation project. So, Stanley Johnson was actually picked up by the Spurs about a month ago, In 10 games with the Spurs, Stanley Johnson is averaging 6 points, 2 rebounds, 2 assists on 59% from the field, and 43% from 3, hitting 0.6 a game in just 13 minutes. He's had some really solid games like a 12.4 rebound, 2 assist, 1 steal, 2 block game, a 10.3 rebound, 3 assist, 1 block game where he hit 2 of 3 from 3, And then he had a 9.6 rebound, two assist game where he also hit two of three from three. So I think Stanley Johnson is finding his footing and fitting in pretty well with the San Antonio Spurs. And there is no doubt in my mind that he would have helped this current Lakers team, especially when you see the ways in which Troy Brown Jr. is now thriving. It's easy to envision what having two of these types of longer, more versatile athletic wings would do for our defense, our transition game, and our overall off-ball competence as well. And just from a functional height and physicality aspect, having Troy Brown Jr. and Stanley Johnson would have done this team wonders. Now, speaking about Troy Brown Jr., and more relevantly to what's going on with the Lakers right now, we are seeing this same sort of Stanley Johnson effect play out with him this season. And while it's been a sort of up-and-down roller coaster of a ride with Troy Brown Jr., he's definitely seemed to hit his stride this last month. In the month of December, Troy Brown Jr. is shooting 38% from three. He's coming off a four of eight performance from three versus the Charlotte Hornets. And in the last 17 games, Troy Brown is shooting 20 of 50 from three-point land. That is 40% in the last 17 games. Pretty incredible, Um, especially because he's never really been known as a volume three-point shooter, but at least he's doing it in the last month. More importantly, TBJ's size and length has been integral on the defensive end. His know-how as an off-ball player has been crucial to the ball movement and spacing of the team on the offensive end, and even his playmaking has shown up in his short role play off of pick and rolls and cuts, and that has really helped the offense hum and move along fluidly. So yeah, keeping Troy Brown Jr. and Stanley Johnson in mind, I want to move off finding the next Utah and Isaiah Hardenstein, because those guys fall more in line with the Alex Caruso and Austin Reeves of the world, where... They were all late second rounders or even undrafted guys who were inevitably able to carve a space out for themselves in the NBA. So I want to move off of those true dark horse under the radar guys and shift our focus towards who the next lotto pick slash first round pick reclamation project could be. I'm talking about former lotto picks who, if you just give them a tertiary role, they can have this paradigm shift in their game where they're no longer the guy but they can still help contribute to winning basketball in the same ways that Stanley Johnson and Troy Brown Jr have done even though yes I know the Lakers aren't haven't been a playoff team in the last two seasons but do you have anybody who would fit this vein before I go with my list?
2: Um you can go you can get started and I'll follow up after you.
1: Okay. So the obvious one here would be Cam Reddish, who off oft-talked about. Yeah. Uh, number 10 pick in the 2019 draft. Outside of Cam Reddish, though, I have guys like Gogo Bitadze from the Indiana Pacers, number 18th pick from 2019. You're going to find this funny, but Kevin Knox, number 9th pick in 2019 by the Knicks as well. He's actually shown some flashes this year with the Detroit Pistons. I think he's had a couple, like, 18 20-point games on 6-of-8 shooting, like 4-of-6 from 3 Kind of had a bit of resurgence, and the only reason why I'm enticed by him is because of his length and size, something that the Lakers need. He's He wakes up every day 6'9", so that's good on Kevin Knox. Uh, Chumokiki, who we've talked about before a lot, number 16 pick in the 2019 draft. Uh, then we have Darius Baisley, number 23 pick in the 2019 draft. He's currently on the OKC Thunder, and as I've talked about at the earlier part of this episode, he's going to be likely crunched out of the roster just because the, the Thunder are going to have more lotto picks coming in next year. Um, so he'll probably be a free agent and could be had on the market. Then we have Matisse Theibel, number 20, the 20th pick in the 2019 draft. Jackson Hayes, number 8th pick in the 2019 draft. And I think this is the pick the Pelicans got in the Anthony Davis trade. Uh, they traded number 4 for Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. There's Jackson Hayes. And then lastly, the oldest one of this group from the, and this is the only draft that I found that's not in the 2019 class, but Dario Saric, number 12 pick in the 2014 draft. So do you like any of these guys? Cam Reddish, Goga Batadze, Kevin Knox, Chuma, Darius Basley, Matisse, Jackson Hayes, or Dario Saric? And do you have anybody else you want to throw out?
2: Cam Reddish, I feel like, is in sort of a slightly higher tier than some of these guys. Would you agree? Cam Reddish is at least shown, yeah, like, some... Shown yeah, he's shown more, yeah. Um... Of that list, though, I mean, a couple of the guys who stand out to me are Thiebal. Thiebal, like, went from being two seasons ago, like, they wouldn't include him in any trade. Like, he was a deal breaker in trade. He was like right? the
1: THT of the Sixers.
2: <laughs> he was like the THT of the Sixers. But, I mean, all that said, the dude had, like, back to back seasons where he averaged 2.8 in that, like, combined block, block and steal number. Um, that's pretty good for a guard, dude, especially a guard who's like only playing 20 minutes a game. So yeah. when somebody is playing that level of defense, I think you can work on a LeBron James team. And I, you know, to the extent, we're going to keep LeBron and AD like beyond the season. I think like Matisse Thibel could really have a big breakout here. Um, so of that list, I think that's probably the, the guy I was the most interested in. And then I think Goga and Jackson Hayes, these young center, they're both, they're pretty different. I mean, Jackson Hayes is obviously more of like trying to be a pure athlete. and, and he's yoga. like M-
1: McGee versus like Zubots or something like yeah, that. If you're yeah. looking at templates.
2: So like, but I think they're both interesting. And I think they could both play next to another big like AD. So I, any one of these guys I think could have a breakout. And, and I think like you said, in, in pretty much all of these situations, it feels like there's reasonable chance that guy these these are the types of guys who get squeezed out. Yeah,
1: I agree. I I want to amend what I said though. I think Darius Sarch is probably the more established because at his yeah. heights and peaks he actually was contributing to I think he was in the playoffs once or twice with the Philadelphia 76ers actually, yeah. but he's probably lower end on the rung just because he's an older prospect by now. He has had some injuries that have cost him the last year or two, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dario Sarge rebounded as well, just because of his experience in international play, too. But yeah, I agree with you. I like Jackson Hayes because he started to stretch his game out a little bit last season. He averaged, or he started hitting more threes last season, I think. 35% from three, making 0.3 on just 0.8 attempts. But that shows you that there may be some ability to stretch the floor, though we've said that with guys like Damian Jones before. But the thing you like with Jackson Hayes is that he is a freak athlete. He can run the floor really well. And like you mentioned, he could be a good fit next to AD in certain situations. But yeah, I I like Cam Reddish as well. If I had to pick, it would be Cam Reddish, Kevin Knox. Sorry, not Kevin Knox. Cam Reddish, Chuma, and Matisse really intrigue me. If you're looking for like a reliable veteran, Dario Saric wouldn't hurt at the end of your bench. But any of these guys, I think the Lakers should look at come 2023 free agency and they will likely be squeezed out of their rosters and become free agents and could be had for a minimum deal or a non-guaranteed deal. Although I think Kamraj will get a shot somewhere else for maybe a portion of the mid-level. But yeah, with that said, that'll do it for this random little standalone filler episode uh, to kick off 2023. We should be back with more time-sensitive, relevant episodes shortly after Tommy's done with his podcast, Paternity Leave, and we'll hopefully get Alan back at some point this season as well. In the meantime, please make sure to shoot us a New Year's 5-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app as well as on the Spotify app. We only have fifty-six five stars on Spotify, so we're hoping you guys can help rectify that for us in the new year. And make sure to stay tuned because... 10-day contracts, the second trade date milestone of January 15th, the buyout market, and the trade deadline are all coming. So we're excited to cover all of that with you guys in this upcoming year, as well as cover LeBron and the Lakers continuing to climb back to 500 as we all await AD's eventual return, or hopeful return. Until then, thank you guys for listening, and Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. Later. <laughs>